To easily separate an egg yolk from the egg white, take an empty water capsule, squeeze it, press the lips against the egg yolk, now let go. Move it over to an empty container and squeeze again. To hang a picture perfectly level every time, place a strip of tape between the two holes on a frame. Mark where the holes are, remove the tape, and stick it on your wall. Now drill. Perfection. Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you, whether you're at the West location, the East location, RCMU, watching all over the globe online, just welcome. I'm glad you guys are here. I'm excited to be here today. Um, some of you might not know who I am. I'm realizing that, so let's go over that quick. I am Pastor Joe around here. Um, I'm over the Shift Garage Car Ministry. Um, if you haven't heard what that is, we're a ministry of this church where we fix cars for people that can't afford a full repair bill from a conventional shop, some people that just need some help. We help them out with budgeting classes, sometimes car maintenance classes, and kind of get them on the track where hopefully if something happens again to their car, well, let's be honest, when something happens again to their car, they'll be better prepared to handle it. Then sometimes awesome people like you donate cars with a couple problems, and we fix those problems and then give those cars away to uh, single-parent families, low-income families, something like that. So it's been really fun. Uh, I only get to do that because you guys give here and support Shift, and so I thank you for that. Uh, this week is actually six years for my family and I being here, and so Shift has been a part of that for about five. And so I think we've made a big difference in the community. Uh, it was interesting for me when I discovered that this is what God wanted me to do with my life. I said, uh, that sounds great. Uh, it's really a specific thing you want me to do, and who's going to let me come do that? Because there's a lot of money going out to help people and not a lot of money coming in, uh, so who's going to sign up for that? But uh, in talking to David, he said, you know, I think Rapid City could really benefit from something like this, and as they say, the rest is history, and we've been having a great time doing it. I'm really honored to have that as a job, and again, it's only because of you guys that I get to do that. So tonight, we're going to talk about discipline. Who is excited about that? Giddy up. You guys are ready for it. I'm actually really excited about it, and so hopefully that'll help us out. Uh, one of the other pastors uh, was actually supposed to speak tonight, and I was supposed to speak next week, and uh, he was texting me and said, I want to switch weeks with you, and we're texting, so I don't have all the information. And I said, look, I'll switch dates with you, but I don't want your topic. I want to talk about discipline. And they're like, great, because I didn't want your topic. I wanted to keep my topic. So... Uh, like, that is weird. And you guys are probably thinking that too. But I think discipline is really important. I think discipline can improve any area of your life. I think it can improve every area of your life. Um, and I think you can apply it a lot of different ways. One of the things I love about discipline is that it's available to everyone. You can afford discipline. You don't have to go anywhere to get discipline. And you can start it right now. You could be applying discipline to your life more intentionally tonight. We can get this all done. So I love that. Most of my life, I've wanted discipline. Wanted more discipline, wanted any discipline, depending on the time of my life. Just wanted discipline. I watched people with discipline prepare better. They did the prep work better, and so the final outcome was better. And I went, I want that. And I know you have to do the work to get there, but I want that for my life. And then doing the work to get there turned out to be the hard part. And so Getting discipline is something I've wanted for a long time. I actually 
have kind of a weird version of OCD, I guess you could say. Uh, I am the best person at cleaning out a garage or a closet or some room in your house. If you've ever wondered who the best person is, it's me. I'm the best at that. Here's the problem. In a week or two, it's just as messy as it was before I started. Like, this is the issue. I can be detail-oriented. I can fix the problem. But then I just let it go again. Be being a car guy, the ultimate example, like when you open the tool cabinet, there's a spot for like the 11 socket. There's a spot for everything in there. And I will get it all set and ready to go. And then I'll grab that and go work on a car and come back and just throw all the tools on the bench and go in the house. Like, there's a spot for that. And I, I just don't put it back. So I'm, I've classically been the guy that needed discipline. I have the messy room and the cluttered desk and I don't know my schedule more than like two days in advance. Somebody this week was like, are you free like September, like the middle of, the, I'm like, I have no idea. Your guess is as good as mine. I'll ask my wife what I'm doing and I'll tell you, then we'll both know what I'm gonna do then because I have no idea. So the question you need to be asking yourself if you're following along is why is this guy talking to us about discipline? I think I might be better at it than he is. I think they picked the wrong guy. Well, here's the deal. I've been making some improvements in my life. Over the last three years specifically, I've really been intentional about implying self-discipline and I finally got it to work for me. It's working out for me. Um, and so I kind of wanted to share some of that with you guys. I've come to love self-discipline. Uh, again, it's hard in the short term, right? You've got to do some things to reap bigger benefits. But what I found is saying no to some small things allowed me to say yes to some bigger things later on. So I've gotten to enjoy some experiences I wouldn't have otherwise. I've set some goals I was able to accomplish. And I just enjoy a better feeling about myself and what I'm doing and how life is going. It's just better. And so I want to share that with you guys. Um, before I get too crazy in here, I want to make sure that my example is going to be relevant to everyone. So raise your hand if you eat food every day. Like every day. Okay. This is going to work out well because most of you do. So this is what I struggled with. So I want to introduce you to somebody. This is unhealthy Joe that I'm going to show you. Take that all in. There's a bunch there. Take your time. Take it all in. looks way worse. I saw it on the cell phone. This looks way worse on the TV. Um, I would love to tell you that I have a twin brother that lives in another state, and he's a big guy, but this was actually me. Uh, three years ago, this was me. Uh, well, I say three years ago. This is the same kid. That's how long this problem lasted. Like, she grew up, and I was, still hadn't fixed this. Life wasn't going great. I'm going to tell you about this guy for a little bit. Um, this is kind of my biggest. Um, I was 320 pounds. Um, I was wearing a 42-inch pant size. That is, it says 3X, that sweater, but let's, it was really a 4X. It was very big and stretchy and um, wasn't, wasn't going well. Uh, with steadily gaining weight, uh, I got diagnosed with sleep apnea, and my doctor had told me that if I didn't start to lose some weight, I was going to have to go on blood pressure medication. My blood pressure was always in the 150s, usually above 155, uh, and I want you to keep in mind, this fella is 28 years old. Now, I need to stop for a second because some of you aren't going to be able to hear what I say for the rest of the sermon unless I address this. You're going 28, three years ago. That makes him 31, but he looks like he's 45. So what's going on there? I am 31. I know that I look like I'm 45. I, just, I can show you a driver's license later if you need me to. I don't want that to stall you out for the whole rest of the message. So 
I am aware of what I look like. It's always been this way. I'm 31. You're just going to have to deal with it. I don't know what to tell you. So I decided this wasn't going to work out for me, and I needed to do something better to fix it. So I set some goals. I got to work. Um, a lot of people have different ideas of how to fix this. Infomercials have like a ton of ideas of how to lose weight. I decided that just eating better and working out a little bit was the more tried and tested method. So I went that way. Um, that did work out for me. Today, uh, I've lost 70 pounds. Um, this, is, this is an XL. Sometimes I can squeeze into an L. Um, I just feel so much better, so much better. I didn't realize how bad I felt here until I started to feel better. There's just a whole other level of life that I was not experiencing, and I'm at now. So, but losing that weight took discipline. You can guess where that was going to go. It took some discipline to make that happen. I didn't get hypnotized into thinking that cake tasted bad and vegetables were awesome. I'm still in the same field you are. Like, I'm trying to figure out how the Garden of Eden was perfection if it was all vegetables all the time. Like, I'm still trying to <laughs> figure that out with you guys. I haven't figured it all out yet, but uh, cake's delicious. I'm still aware of that. I haven't forgotten about that. So. What I want to discuss today is not that I did that. What I want to discuss is how I did that. How was I able to do that? So hopefully I can get some principles to you guys that you can use to improve things in your life. Because what I found was it was just about getting the ball rolling. Once I started making progress, it kind of had a snowball effect. It was easier every day to eat right. And then I was able to aim that self-discipline at other things in my life and tackle them. So before we get any further, I want to introduce you to our scripture for this. What does the Bible say about discipline? And I've pulled this story from Matthew 7. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, you've probably heard this story before. It's a simple one. A lot of us heard it as kids. And that's the whole thing. That's the entire story. So... I want to key in on this. I actually want to key in on one word out of that, and that word is bedrock. Now, I said in the scripture, I just said it again, I need you guys to do me a favor and stop thinking about the Flintstones because it has nothing to do with my message, but I know that's what you're thinking about because I said bedrock. Bedrock is actually a geological term. You're like, yeah, we know that. But what it means is a solid, sturdy surface that lies underneath a looser soil. Well, that tells us a couple things. It's underneath. At no point does bedrock appear on the surface. And it's got to be under a looser soil, such as sand. So you have to dig down to get to it. So come with me. We're going to go back um, and watch these two guys build these houses in our mind. Uh, I don't know anything about geology, so I know two places where there are sand. That's the beach and the desert. So you can pick in your mind which one you would like to go to right now. And we're going to watch these two guys build these houses, okay? So the first guy, he just lays down the floor and starts putting up the walls. He gets right to work. The second guy grabs a shovel and starts digging down into the ground. Kind of an odd way to start building a house, but that's what he does. 
Now, my work history, I've run a shovel for several years of my life for a living. So I can tell you the first guy is going to make more progress. The second guy, he's going to take a while to get there. So while the first guy is shingling his roof, the second guy finally gets to where he can lay the floor out and start building the walls. A couple days and weeks later, the first guy is just sitting on his porch sipping lemonade, watching the second guy caught up to what he had already done. And in the end, you end up with two houses that look almost exactly the same. So if that's where the story ended, I think we would both agree that the first guy did it right and the second guy wasted a bunch of time that he didn't need to waste. But that's not where the story ends. You see, a storm comes and the scripture twice doesn't say if a storm comes. It says when the floods come, when the rains come and the winds, it will be tested. If you've gone through a storm in your life, you know to be as prepared as you can be. And if you haven't gone through a storm, you should get ready because the scripture says when it happens. Storms will come along. They'll test what you've built and the foundation you'll put it on and see how you did. Have you ever had a storm in your life? I think a lot of us have. Um, and I want to kind of tell you something about that. If you're taking notes, I want to have you write this down. You have to work on what no one can see before you can show what everyone can see. Here's something I learned about losing weight. You actually have to start eating right before the weight comes off. Did you know that? Like, it's a bummer. Like, you can't just step on the scale and a bunch of weight's gone and you're like, I'm gonna start eating right to support this thing that my body is doing. It doesn't, you can't do that. You gotta start eating right first. And that's, that's annoying, but that's how it works. So when I showed you the picture earlier, you can see the difference in how I look. You can see that what I did worked, but you don't know how I did it. What did I do? What did I do eating differently? What did I discipline myself not to eat? Did I have cake on my birthdays? Like, you don't know the answer to any of these questions because I had to do that behind the scenes. I actually had to do a lot of work behind the scenes before anybody noticed, and I, I don't want this to discourage you, but before someone outside of my house said, hey, are you losing weight? I had lost 40 pounds before anybody noticed. You've got to dig down and kind of do this on your own. And then, you know what they said to me? They said, oh yeah, I can really see it in your face. And I went, how big was my face? Like, <laughs> like, just had an extra 40 pounds in my face and nobody, <laughs> nobody said anything to me about it. So. Some of you, though, are going to weather a lot bigger storms than what to eat. You're going to go through a lot different things in life. So I want to share this story with you that's always helped me through those times, especially in relation to my faith. Uh, and that is the story, I guess you'd call it, of how they built the masts for those giant old ships. I don't know if you've ever been around one of these, like a replica of the big old wooden ships they used to have. Um, I watched that Moby Dick movie a couple years ago, and there's a scene you kind of come in around this thing and look up, and you just see this gigantic mast, and you're like, with the tools they had back then, how did they get that thing on there? I've kind of, I've kind of entered the engineering phase of life, we'll call it, where I can't just enjoy anything for what it is. I'm like, how did that get there? And they moved, like, it's just the thing now. I'm at that point in life. So it made me think about those masts, and I wanted to research it and kind of study. So here's what I found out. When they were building one of those giant ships, the very first thing they would do is pick out the tree that would be the mast. They'd go to the middle of the forest, 
where the big trees are, and you want to find a tree that had to compete for sunshine and rain and won that competition. So it's already big. It's surrounded by a bunch of other big trees. And then what they would do is cut out all those other trees in a big circle around this thing so it's just by itself. And then they'd go build the rest of the ship. And the reason they did that is because a giant tree has giant branches full of leaves. And while the other trees had been supporting it, now it was out on its own. So when storms came up and winds hit it, it would have to be flexible and move with that and get stronger and grow to be able to handle those storms. So I don't know a lot about these old ships, but in watching television and movies where we all get our education from, what I have learned is when the storm comes and that big mast breaks, that's not good. People are going to be swimming pretty soon is what that means. So they didn't want that to happen. So they put the tree through this process the whole time they're building the ship for years, three, five, eight years. And then once the ship was built, they'd go cut that mast and get it and put it on the ship because it had proven that it could go through the storms and weather those. So I realize if you're going through a storm today, that may not be super helpful. But it may just mean that the builder is having you go through this so you can handle something special in the future, something not everyone else gets to do. And I hope that that is helpful to you. It has been to me. So if you read your Bible, you'll find example after example where someone had to weather those storms before they could do the thing God had chosen them for. And I've seen that work in people's lives several times before. Okay, I'm done on that. We'll get back on topic. Hopefully I've given you a thirst for self-discipline. Hopefully you want it to improve an area of your life. Now, some of you have been thinking about the area of your life you want to improve since I started. You went, yeah, he's right. I want self-discipline too. It's this area of my life I need to tackle, and I want it, and I want to make that better. So I want you to pick one thing that you want to make better in your life. And some of you have it, and some of you don't. So if you don't have it, um, it could be reading your Bible more. It could be weight loss. It could be spending more time with family. It could be that thing that you said you were going to do on January 1st. You remember that thing that you told everybody you were going to do? Uh, that might still be the thing that you want to do. You just haven't gotten there. But it might still be the thing you want to do. So think about it, and let's go over the steps that you'll need to get there. I think that these will help you. The first thing you need to do is establish your why. What is the why? Why do you want to change this thing in your life? I told you that before I started losing weight, I was steadily gaining weight. It turns out that's what happens if you're not paying attention to the weight. It steadily gains. I didn't just step on the scale one day and see it say 320 pounds. That didn't happen. I saw 220 turn into 240, 260 turn into 280. The last time I went to my doctor's office, it was 295, and she said, you're going to have to lose weight or go on blood pressure medication. And so I was too embarrassed to go back when my scale at home said 310 and 320. I saw all that happen. It was steadily gaining. And it still would be if I hadn't chosen to change. But I love terrible food. It's delicious. I love it. So why did I change? For me, at the end of the day, it was my health. Um, I had decided that being overweight, not being rested, going on blood pressure medication at that age wasn't something I wanted to do. Uh, I said, if this is what 28 feels like, 50 is going to be miserable. And I don't want to go through that. I don't want to experience that. And to tell you the truth, the real reason, the thing I still think about today, the thing that keeps me motivated, I couldn't walk and talk on a cell phone without being out of breath. 
And I said, this is just sad. This is not a good way to go through life. So I wanted to change. That was my why at the time, and it still is. What I did to get from there to here, I haven't stopped doing three years later. I still do it. I still eat this way. I still am more active. And it's because I don't want to have to live life that way. So you need to find out your why. And I don't want you to just write it down like you did your New Year's resolution because that didn't work, did it? I want you to feel it. I want you to feel the reason behind your why. Do whatever you have to do to feel it. And that'll get you through. The second thing I want you to do is set a realistic goal. One thing that you want to achieve. One of the things I did correctly was to just do one thing at a time. Now, in preparation for this talk, I read a book. And I know some of you don't know me, so you don't know how big of a deal that is. But I, by myself, on purpose, read a book. I didn't. I listened to an audio book. But it was on... <laughs> It was on willpower, and I learned a lot from it, and I don't want you to have to read a book, so I'm going to tell you what it said and save you a lot of time. It was on willpower, and they did several research studies, dozens of them all over the world. Here's what they discovered. Let me boil it down for you. Your willpower is like a muscle. You can work it out and train it like a muscle. It's good and it's bad for us. I'll start with the bad. You can deplete your willpower. Have you ever worked out a muscle to failure? Does anybody know what that means? I had a gym membership around the first of the year. I don't anymore. But in studying that, they teach you to work out a muscle to failure. Here's what that means. Find the biggest weight you can lift and lift it as many times as you can. Then back the weight off a little bit and do it again. And just keep doing that until you can't lift like 10 pounds. You can't even do that. You have depleted what that muscle has to give you. It has nothing else to give you. You can do the same thing with your willpower. So let me give you an example. You go to the grocery store. It's always fun between husband and wife who's going to go do the grocery shopping because it's such a fun task. But somebody's got to do it. You got to go to the grocery store and get food because everybody wants to eat the food. So it's got to happen. So you go to the grocery store and you're, you're good the whole way through. You get good, clean meat. You get a bunch of vegetables. You skip the chips and the cookies. You're so good through there. And then you get to the checkout register. What's all here when you're at the checkout register? There's gossip magazines. There's every kind of candy that's ever been invented. There's pop. And from here down, there's all these little trinket toy things because they're targeting the kids too. So here's why that is. Whether you know this or not, what they know about you is that you are now scientifically more likely to get something to treat yourself because you were good there, so now you deserve something. I actually used to work at one of those places, and this stuff here was its own department. It was called the impulse section. That's officially the name of that section. They know that you're more likely to do that. So you can deplete your willpower. That's the bad part. The good part is, like a muscle, you can work out your willpower. If you keep working it to failure or just working it out, it gets stronger and easier to do things. So that worked out for me. Once I got the weight loss headed in the right direction, I decided, all right, what are we going to tackle next? Well, something that's kind of been embarrassing for me my whole life is I have not been great at doing my devotions, my personal devotions. And I'm a pastor, so that's not really allowed. You have to be awesome at that. That's part of the job description. And so I had to get better at that. So I said, all right, we've got the weight loss headed in the right direction. I don't have to think about that as much. The ball's rolling. 
Let's focus on this. And so I was able to, inside of a year, read the Bible just cover to cover, no special fancy mix, New Testament, Old Testament, just start in the beginning, go right through, and read the whole Bible through inside of a year. And it wasn't that difficult because I had worked out my willpower. I had made it stronger, and it was working for me. So it gains momentum, but you have to do one thing at a time. For the four of you that know how to drive a stick shift, you can shift your car to third, but you have to go all the way through second gear. The car will stall out if you don't. You've got to do one at a time and do things as it's supposed to be done. So focus on one. My goal was to get from 320 to 250. Now I've done that, so now I'm moving the goal down. That's okay. That's not a problem. You can do that. What you don't want to do is set a goal that's unattainable, and you don't get there, and you feel that failure that comes with that. So I made that goal 320 to 250. Let me tell you about another goal I had. My house is here. You go out of the neighborhood to the main road, and then down the main road from the house to the stoplight is a mile. So for the mathematicians in the room, if I walk to the stoplight and back, how far have I gone? You guys are on top of it tonight. Two miles. I wanted to do that three times a week. I was going to walk two miles three times a week. I did not do that. I did it for like two weeks, and then I didn't do it. Here's what I discovered. My friends and neighbors kept bugging me while I was on these walks. You see, they had never seen me walk before. <laughs> and so on three separate occasions, three different people asked me where my car had broken down and if I needed a ride home. <laughs> I was not ready for that goal. So my new goal became to walk two miles whenever I can, and in a month's time, not have anybody ask me where my car broke down. You had to change that goal up. So I changed that goal up, and it, it worked out. But you've got to set attainable goals. So attainable goals that you can reach are a lot more useful than these big ones that you can't. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Dream big, but set realistic goals. You can dream as big as you want, but for this chunk, for the next six months, for the next month, for the next week, set a chunk that's attainable. You've got to put something in there you can reach. So do that. The third thing I want to talk to you about is get support if you need it, and then just do it. Some of the goals that you haven't achieved in life yet, you haven't achieved them because you can't do it with one person. It takes more than one person to get it done. When I wanted to lose weight, I found out that I could do it pretty much by myself because almost 100% of the time that I ate junk food, it was me putting it in my mouth. That's what I realized. At no point did someone else make me eat terrible food. That just didn't happen. So that one I could do on my own. But I can't, for instance, start a car ministry that's helped hundreds of people get their cars fixed so they can go to work or school or doctor's appointments by myself. It, that was a goal of mine once too, and it weathered a lot of storms, but it took a lot of people around me with the same vision to make that happen. So sometimes you need support, but figure that out, and then as the old Nike slogan says, just do it. If you can find somebody to come alongside you with a similar goal, you're way ahead of the game. So every day, every hour, one decision at a time, just make the decision that gets you headed in the right direction and keep doing it. I know that sounds simpler than it is, but it's possible. Let me go over this one scripture from Paul that I think is perfectly relevant to this and helps us figure this out. It says, 
Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? I want you guys to catch that. This is the first recorded instance of many will enter, few will win. I thought McDonald's invented that, but it was in the Bible a long time ago. That's what he's saying here. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I love that he says that. I'm not just, I'm not faking it here. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. He says, I discipline my body to do what it should, not what it wants to, not what I'm tempted to do, what it should. Other translations say, I beat my body into submission. Every day, I tell my body what I'm going to do. It doesn't tell me. You know the saying, the heart wants what it wants? Well, my stomach wants what it wants, and it wants cake like a lot of the time. I still have to say, that's not worth it. We're not doing that today. And when you come across those challenges, you've got to dig down to bedrock, find something solid you can stand on, and just say no to that and make it happen. I hope that I've given you some tools to plant and harvest what self-discipline can do in your life. Some of you are going to tackle a lot bigger things than what to eat and what not to eat. And I don't want to belittle what to eat and what not to eat because it is hard. But some of you are going to tackle bigger goals than that. And I think that's great. I think these principles will serve you just the same. I want to give you a quote that's always inspired me, um, kind of on time management. It's a very convicting quote that I've run across. It says, don't say you don't have enough time. You have exactly the same number of hours per day that were given to Helen Keller, Pasteur, Michelangelo, Mother Teresa, Leonardo da Vinci, Thomas Jefferson, and Albert Einstein. We have the same amount of hours as they did, and they all did great things. So you've got that thing you want to do. We talked about it. Whether you had it or you came up with it while we were talking, you've got that thing you want to do. What do I want to encourage you in addition to the steps we've gone over? Don't start Monday morning. Start today. There's a step you can make today that will get you closer to that. I want to leave you with one final quote. If you have time for distractions, you have time for discipline. It is a time game. There's a certain number of hours in the day and you can use them up however you want. Use it for something that will get you where you can be. When I started the message, I said saying no to some things has helped me say yes to some much bigger things. I want that for you guys. And I pray that you can apply these principles to your life and get it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. And we thank you for the way that you partner with us in life. Lord, you have a plan for each of our lives and you wanna get us there, but you also want us to play a major role in that. Lord, please help us to have the willpower to put the discipline towards it so that we can do our part of that as effectively as we can. Lord, we want to be champions for what you want our lives to be. And we know that in doing that, we can help more people than we can any other way. So I pray that this week that we would be lights for you in our workplace, at our home, just out in the community, that people would see you shining through us. And that by saying no to some things, we could say yes to bigger things and the life that you have picked out for us, the ministry that you want us to do at our work, at our home, whatever it is. Lord, help us partner with you in that. We're not running away from you. We're not keeping you from having 
what you want over our lives. We're partnering with you and the chunk of work that you want us to do, help us to do that as effectively as we can. And I pray that with these principles, we can apply self-discipline to it and do it even better. Help all of these people this week feel that you're around them and just spread light to those around them. I pray these things in your name. Amen.